Thanks for joining me today to talk about your State of the Field article, which is called Critical International Relations at an Impasse, Reflexivist, Reformist, Reactionary, and Restitutive Post-Critique. First off, how did you come to write this article, and can you talk a little bit about the broader project that it's a part of? Well, yes, I mean, kind of thinking about where anything comes from like this can kind of take you off in lots of different directions, because I suppose it, it kind of consolidates a lot of different uh, thoughts and projects I've had over the last several years but basically it is it's a one article or maybe the first published uh, kind of output as they say from a project that I'm working on which is basically about um, uh, critical theory critical academia uh, and but but also um, you know criticism and the practice of criticism in in society as, as a social practice more generally and kind of the conviction behind that is that there are lots of connections between these different things that we use the same word to signify that are often neglected. Like it's very easy to say, oh, well, of course, critical theory is this very specific thing. It comes from this specific academic tradition and that's separated from say social criticism as a, like a journalist or an activist might practice. But uh, I think if you really gonna get, get deep into the, the intellectual history and into, into the discourses as they are kind of enacted, um, a lot of these boundaries kind of blur and blend together and we find that, you know, critical theory has this connotation of being uh, something which is, you know, uh, criticizing power, it's against oppression. Um, and basically I want to kind of understand what is going on there, what's happening when we label ourselves this one thing or another. And so this particular article focuses on the discipline of international relations, which is my background, um, but I try to take it not just as a sort of disciplinary review, but almost as like a case study of uh, kind of broader, broader political contexts. And I try to set it within the ongoing contestation of critical academia, of social criticism, and of, you know, what's kind of called the quote unquote culture wars, the ways in which um, recently particularly anti-racist and uh, so-called woke culture has been made a kind of scapegoat for a lot of different things and while you know this has been widely engaged from within academia I don't think it's been seen enough as being sort of connected to the way we ourselves as academics identify and the way we we ourselves kind of construct our own um, our own traditions our own groups uh, amongst ourselves so it's attempting to draw all of that out and I do this through, um, you know, quite a detailed literature review of the last five or six years of IR, of critical IR, and of people specifically debating what does it mean to be critical, what should the practice of criticism involve, uh, and so on and so forth. What do you see as the most important takeaway from your piece? So that's a good question. I mean, there are lots of different parts of it that I hope people would take away from it, but I suppose... The one thing that I am hoping to develop more in future and the part that I'm hoping people will pick up on is this idea that radical politics, progressive politics, emancipatory politics of whatever kind has traditionally been seen and constructed in terms of dissent and resistance and heterodoxy. But in order for this kind of politics or these kinds of politics to work, and to work better, they also require, to use a phrase, a, a more affirmative 
kind of internal practices. They also require um, development of, of, of friendship, of bonds of trust. And that is something which tends to be left out then from the identification of these kinds of politics as critical because criticism tends to concentrate upon the negative. Um, and so, yeah, what, what I'm hoping people will take away from this, hopefully they're getting the part of the subtext from it, is that um, uh, while you know, I, I want to kind of further and develop um, and inherit the best parts of what, you know, what we call critical IR, and I want to, you know, push these further, at the same time, I also want to recognize, as, as other people have been doing, the ways in which that neg negativity is itself kind of conflicted and needs to be supplemented and needs to be thought about in a slightly more, a slightly more, well, to use a phrase, reflexive um, and complex way. In your article, you argue that the label critical has become almost meaningless in many instances. Why do you think that this is an important realization? And how do you think taking this claim seriously impacts the discipline of international relations? Yeah, so this is obviously, I mean, I think it's true. I think what I, I say in that regard is true. It's also something of a provocation because I think, you know, not everyone will want to see this term critical as being having, having been emptied of, of content entirely. It's also not something which is a unique observation of mine. However, I think... I think, in a way, it's a, it's a classic critical gesture in that it's asking people to think a little more deeply on some things that we take for granted. Um, and what I try to do in the article, which goes, you know, it's, it kind of picks and chooses in terms of which texts to go into detail on, but what I try to do is draw out the ways in which certain kinds of common sense are actually embedded in nominally critical IR um, and are actually not being thought about as deeply as they could be. Great. Lastly, what are the difficulties that you encountered in building typologies of critical thought? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a good question and it's something that I've been prompted to think about well, for many reasons, but also through the review process with this article. So I, I, as you mentioned, set out a kind of typology. I distinguish between four different kinds of post-critical uh, thought in IR as it exists today. I don't want to suggest that these are kind of mutually exclusive or that they um, are unchanging or anything like that. In a way, well, this, is, this is a heuristic that wants to draw out and explicate some trends and dynamics which... Uh, otherwise might be neglected and might uh, go under the radar. And um, the problem with this is, of course, that any sort of heuristic typological uh, set of distinctions like this have a tendency to be reified, have a tendency to um, take on a life of their own. Indeed, this is basically the problem with the label critical, right? Um, it has had a whole range of meanings. It gets reified, it gets taken for granted, it becomes part of common sense and it takes off on a life of its own. And ultimately, I guess, all you can really say is uh, you've got to kind of cross that bridge when you get to it. Chances are my own uh, typological distinctions aren't going to be so wildly influential. That becomes a problem. But um, uh, in any case, what I think that um, this kind of analytical theory does is to 
clarify and to provoke in a way that it would be very easy to make the same basic argument without drawing any clear theoretical distinctions. And it would be very easy then for a hypothetical reader to take that argument and sort of reconstitute it however they like. So in a way, it's imposing a kind of authorial imprint upon the argument and trying to make it get taken seriously in the way I wanted to get taken seriously. So there is a kind of power dynamic involved in that. But ultimately, I think it's worthwhile because I think and I hope it's an intervention that has been worth being made. Fantastic. Thank you so much.